0: Hey everybody, this is Greg Poole with Bojunkie Media over here in Prescott Valley, Arizona, doing a podcast today with Frank the Tank and Aaron Snyder on the Kafaru cast. Let's do this thing. <laughs>
1: thanks for uh, thanks for joining along, man.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. What's going on over in your guys' neck of the woods today?
2: Frank's doing hood rat shit. I'm doing hood rat shit with my friends. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Uh, nice nice what's going on over at kafaru aaron i seen you were uh you were actually chasing yard birds with your with your struggle stick wait yeah well hold on first of all who can actually call it a struggle stick when you're using it aaron because literally you are killing shit like the bubonic plague with that longbow that is just incredible but you were actually out spotting and stalking turkeys in the snow what else could you have done to make that any more difficult
1: i don't know but it sucked um i mean it was actually technically <laughs> the one that i killed was on the way to a yard so it technically was a yard bird it was <laughs> on the way to the i'm sure it was coming up to the feed right where all the ho- you know they were whatever roosted in the bottoms and then they come up to the uh like the right. feed lot basically i mean a lot of people try, probably would lie about that, but truly, they were coming up to, you know, where all the horses and and uh, cattle, cattle and all kinds of donkeys and all kinds of shit. And I'm sure they were coming up there to pick around and feed. So we were catching them on the way, spotting and stalking them there. But I don't. Uh, it it is a struggle. Uh, people get pissed off at that, but it, it does take some a lot of practice. I don't know how many arrows I shoot a day. In fact, I've been having to tape the end of my fingers with luco tape because they're numb from shooting so much. But It was cool. I was out there with Jake Downs. He's another uh, stick bow guy. And I ended up getting some. So, yeah, it was was interesting. Um, It was fun.
0: I remember when I was working with uh, Jake Kaminsky and Brady Ellison, Olympic recurvers a lot. And what you just said about the end of your fingers being numb, that's a real thing. And uh, I don't think people realize that when you shoot that many arrows, uh, the end of your fingers going numb is pretty much the price you're going to pay
1: yeah and i hang my bottom finger a little so it's really numb um then to a point like sometimes i you probably shouldn't take have to take ibuprofen to do something you love but everyone does so like there's sometimes (laughs) we go to shoot a 3d tournament and i'm pumping uh, i'll take you know i've cut way way back from where i was but i'll take six eight hundred milligrams just to help numb the feeling in my fingers uh because they they just hurt but um so for a Brief history. Greg, what did I meet you in 2003, uh, maybe, two, four, somewhere
0: in you there? you going back that far? It you had, were... had to be at least 2002. He was a train
1: conductor. So.
0: <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you was?
1: I said he was a train conductor.
0: I, I was. I worked on the Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad out of Klamath Falls, Oregon. And uh, when, when did you get back from serving?
1: Um... Man, so yeah, it would have been 2002 three-time frame, because uh, I had just yeah. gotten out not too long before that, and uh, we were it. So I got a—I shot in a tournament, and before I met Greg and Bend, and I didn't know who Cave Johnson was, and he's— got a big ass smile and he was only like five two and had a five foot two long stabilizer and uh (laughs) i think we got in a shoot off and i think i beat him and it was in bend and then i went to a tournament not too long after at the cascadian is that what that's called cascadian bowman yep yep and uh there was a, a big sign that said welcome to the home of the great cape johnson and his posse and uh me being mean, I'm like, who the hell is Kate <laughs> who Johnson? Who made the sign? Who made the sign? Probably Kate, because he His... he he's run Spot Hog. Okay. So, they're like, that's that little guy that you shot against with last week, and I'm like, oh shit, is he good? And I'm like, well, I guess he is pretty good. He shot good, and, I, and then they explained he was the owner's son. Is that right of Spot Hog at the yep. time? Yep. And uh, correct. He, I think. Man, I can't remember. Did we get peer grouped on the second day, and that's how we ended up shooting together? Yeah, we
0: did. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. He had actually, he had actually introduced us on the practice range, but you and you and myself, being who we are, we were pretty much like, I got enough friends. Fuck off. I mean, we were cordial, but I mean, that's just we're like, yeah, we we just said a couple words, but yeah. So we didn't shoot together the first day, but the second day. Uh, yeah, we ended up getting peer grouped and it was, it was entertaining.
1: Yeah. Cause I remember there was another guy, man, I can't, yeah, I can't remember everyone that we, sh- Oh, remember that kid that said he rubbed uh poison Ivy on me. And I said, man, I really like you, but you're going to get fucked up now. <laughs> he was just kidding. I didn't know what he rubbed on my leg, but I was serious. I was like, dude, that goes all over me. I, I, I like you as a person, but I put my bow down and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to, be forced to beat your ass and uh he was like i was just kidding kidding." it sounds like uh it was that spigarelli release guy's kid remember that hydraulic release james siegfried siegfried yeah spigarelli good lord that's an arrow rest um yeah siegfried it was his son
2: (laughs) this is like uh this story this story like sounds like some happy gilmore (laughs) fucking (laughs) version of archery
0: (laughs) he shouldn't have been standing well it uh it it turns a little bit more south as the story goes on but go ahead aaron i'll let you finish, well, no, I, finish that up. i
1: believe greg would not shut up and if i'm not mistaken i think i was like dude i don't care how big you are i'm gonna beat your ass if you do not shut up or something to that uh i that out of my memory more or less that's what happened i believe you said you're testing my tensile strengths um but i can't remember
0: exactly. That's, that's- that's pretty much what it Well, see, I, I wasn't necessarily the greatest unknown yardage shooter, but I was, back then, I was a pretty good shooter. He could shoot. So I was a pretty good shot, but, but the unknown side, well, you, you were. You laid
1: five arrows at 101 yards in a softball. And I was like, yeah, well, you still can't judge yardage for shit. I remember that, too.
0: Correct. So I had to resort to alternative means of competing, which was talking shit. So and he's good I at that. Pretty much, yeah, well, hey, practice, you know, you, you got to stick with what you're good at. So I pretty much found that, one, you were a man of very few words but that the more words that were spoke to you, if they were presented properly would get under your skin, which it did. Yep. And so, which ended up culminating in some pretty good stares and are you fucking serious type stuff. But <laughs> it, ended up, it ended up working out well. I mean, I don't remember what happened with the, sh- with the shooting. I do remember the hundred yard practice range thing and, N- um, no, it wasn't. I, it wasn't. Much, I just back over
1: practice range. Remember, there was a, a target, and it was right in the middle of the shoot. And you laid five arrows down. I'm not shitting. Six arrows in a group, literally the size of a softball. And I didn't show that I was impressed. <laughs> but I mean, I was. Remember thinking, my God, I'm glad this <laughs> guy can't judge Ardage for shit. Because I was like, who. <laughs> Um. No, I I took second, and that kid beat me. Uh, the one that said he rubbed oh, yeah. the, the Siegfried guy. He he beat me, and then Cape took third, and you took fourth or fifth, I think. Something like that.
0: Yeah, it was it was right there in the top five. Well, James Siegfried, he was a really good shot back then, and he was always into logging, and he's actually still a logger. So, you know, you you take guys like you know Bob Gentry and and Thomas Neely and Tom Neely and and i'm sorry but when you're out falling 50 foot trees all day every day and then you got to buck those things up and put them into certain lengths you pretty much get to know what 50 foot looks like (laughs) i mean that kid could judge yardage (laughs) Uh, exactly
1: that was that's when i met uh do you remember jim miller up in washington Tall, Absolutely. we called him Absolutely. head and shoulders he had more man he was he had the skullet going but he had longer <laughs> hair on his shoulders than he did on his head <laughs> remember he'd wear that sleeveless white beater shirt with like a chia pet coming off the top of his shoulders
0: it, it's right, it's right. <laughs> uh, exactly he needed hair care product for the hair on his back that's oh, for sure yeah
1: yeah good times good times but uh a, but yeah we've been enough, friends that, ever since
0: yeah, no, absolutely. I mean that was one of those instances where uh you know, kind of forged through fire as much as we uh we were both so competitive back then that uh you know, we just kinda after that we pretty much hit it off and would keep in contact and and uh shot together after that. But it was uh it it was one of those chance encounters where uh things just worked out, man.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and that leads us to one thing I wanted to bring up on the podcast. We've, we've worked with AAE and Kafaro. You guys have made uh, some buckles for us and you work with Day Six Gear as well, which is uh, aero company I'm affiliated with, as well as Frank. And I ran into a problem. Um, well, I've hunted in some rainy conditions and feathers become an epic problem. They're an issue. And so, I had called sure. Greg, and I'm like, hey, dude, can you build me a really flexible vein that I can shoot off the shelf uh, or off an elevated rest but will fly the same as my feathers? And you were like, you know, I don't know you know, shit about traditional archery to speak of, but I know we can do it. And uh, uh, several prototypes and a few months down the line, you, you got it done.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeah, well, basically what happened there is when you called, Excuse me. You know, you had basically asked that question, and and look, I don't I don't own a traditional bow. I don't own a recurve bow. I don't own any of that. But I've been in the industry a long time, so understanding the dynamics of what's going to happen that was kind of important. And so we had worked with Jay Kaminsky, the the Olympic archer, to create a recurve vein called the Wave W-A-V. W-A-V. And it's made from the plastic fletch material, which AAE's been using for 50 years. I'm not even exact. Actually, it's like 48, 49 years, but that's literally not an exaggeration. And so it has less urethane in it than the max line of veins. And so dynamically, like we call it the lick and stick material. It's the material you don't have to prep the vein. You don't have to do shit to the vein. You literally glue it on. You don't have to do any prep whatsoever. It's the one, I mean, AAE makes about... 60 million veins a year, so you kind of got that part figured out, but when you called, uh, you know, I obviously immediately brought up the wave vein, and you looked at it on the internet, and you were like, well, that's probably not going to be big enough. Then you sent me a picture of the broadheads you're shooting, which pretty much looks like you have the hood of a 1984 Cadillac (laughs) Coupe de Ville on the front of your arrow. Uh, That is true. once I saw Once I saw that, I was like, "Mm okay, you are literally shooting a giant chunk of steel out front. So at that point, you know, just kind of asked, and then I got with Nick Fisher, the GM, and started asking some questions. And, you know, when we start talking about making veins, you know, first of all, it's a matter of how many you're making, the material, and, you know, the shapes, it's just the dye, so that is what it is. But... You can't necessarily run any material you want through the same die because everything's under tension, and as it stamps it out, the size that you think you're going to get is not always what you're going to get. So basically what we did was take the wave material and then make bigger veins out of it using other dyes. And so I think we ended up making new samples in 3-, 4-, and 5-inch and just our, our, our standard parabolic designs. Cause you know, for hunting and this is one thing that most people don't know or don't want to know or understand or whatever is that shield cut is loud. You don't cut vein, <laughs> no dude, shield cuts loud, period. End of story. Like if you take our two inch HP or a, or a blazer or any vein like that, it's going to be loud. It's just how it works. Um, it doesn't matter the manufacturer, any shield cut product, whether it's a feather or a vein that you put on an arrow, it's going to be louder. And your bow is quiet as a part in church, so they're not going to jump necessarily your string, but they will most certainly hear your arrow coming in certain situations. So I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go with a with a shield cut shape simply for that reason because. To be honest, I already knew they're loud, and I didn't want to waste the time and resources to send you a bunch of, uh, you know, wave vanes that were a shield cut, only to have you go, yeah, that works great, but they're loud as a Mack truck. So we made you the three, four, and five inch. I I don't recall right now what, which of those sizes have worked best for you. That's uh, obviously something you'll have to speak on, but the idea of the wave material made into these veins was to offer basically what you said you need to be able to use something that is going to be waterproof and then going to allow you to perform at the level that you have been performing at with feathers. It, you know, I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit surprised that they hit the same spot. That was a welcome, you know, I don't know what feathers weigh as compared to the veins, um, dynamically, uh, I had a, a thought process in, in, in my own mind of, well, once you shoot the arrow, whether it has feathers or veins on it, recovery is what matters. Um, and so these veins are going to recover uh, incredibly quick compared to a feather because on the shot they're not going to lay down because of the other factors at play. The veins going to be incredibly stable in flight. Now, I've watched some of your slow motion videos and... Even that is impressive. I've, I'm not sure how many other slow-motion videos I've seen with a trad shooter with that kind of arrow flight. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you will chant that up to your incredibly on-point form. But, uh, you know, it's, it's right? <laughs> but, you know, that's just basically what it is. So seeing that these veins literally hit the same spot with a broadhead for you at 40 yards was encouraging. Um and so at at this point, it's just really a matter of, you know, I think people are going to come to understand, like you have, you know, a couple of the veins that I saw in your quiver had a, had a little wrinkle in them, but that's not going to affect anything. Um, I mean, I shoot arrows at 100 yards that have little chunks taken out of the veins and stuff. That's not going to matter. The things that you described, being out in the field, not having to worry about any weather conditions. Uh, that's really going to be a game changer on the trad side.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and what was comical about, well, comical for me, um, I waited until I knew they would work before I brought them to any archery range uh, for the simple fact of, uh, you know, you bring something that works okay and some people see it and then word travels, well, they don't work as well, or, oh, we saw this. And so once I thought they were, perfect um and i was dropping bombs at 40 i ran down to rocky mountain and grabbed danny and tom clum uh and we set a target up at 20 and we did a point on so I, i actually put a paper cup on the floor so i aim right at that paper cup and so we know it's not me we know everything's identical and danny was like my god this is a game changer i mean wadding everything from um well, as far as broadheads go, Simmons Tree Sharks, which are two inches wide, uh, XXLs, where it's an inch and thirteen sixteenths wide, um, three-blade VPAs, cutthroats, iron welds, uh, Maasays, every broadhead known to man, and I was doing bear shaft veins. Uh, excuse me, bear shaft feathers and veins, all in the same spot. So we went back to thirty, wow. and. So I, I posted that. Um, thank God I had witnesses, and immediately I will not bring up names. <laughs> Shit started to roll downhill of oh you've 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 managed to beat science or some you know <laughs> that's impossible. I'm going to need to see video, and I you know me being me I'm like all right motherfucker. Are you doubting what? Why would I lie? So what do I do? I go to the range and start dropping slow motion bombs at far distances with those <laughs> veins. Well, I don't know what I don't Correct. know when I posted three, four five videos of far shots. And so if there is a bump, it is clean in the first three to five feet. Um, you Correct. know, there could be a bump. I'm not saying if you did super slow mo that there's not something going on in the first three to five feet. You can't see it. Um, you know what I mean? When people are watching your arrows fly, you can't tell in the grouping. Um, you know, and I tried a bare weather rest as well, uh, which is like a stick on arrow rest. I tried off the shelf and as long as you keep the veins orientated the same, um, meaning I found the best way, the best orientation for them to fly in group in a group exactly with my broadheads 20 and out. And then I started screwing around with different orientations and let's say at 20 yards, When it was orientated differently, it would hit two inches low, three inches left or or whatever the hell the case was. And so I just make sure they're all, you know, in the same spot. But... I don't what what people don't understand and I understand the whole, you know, no no feather, no trad shit and it's like, "Oh, really? That carbon laminated limb. I'm sure Native Americans had that same technology." Well, what about the arrows? They're freaking yeah, carbon. Carbon, carbon yeah. arrows, steel steel, <laughs> steel tip blades or whatever. Titanium ferrules, shit like that. So, I didn't say Right. I made a comment. I'm like, "So, let me make sure I understand the rules here. Carbon arrows, laminated carbon limbs." you know, um, CNC machine risers, every strings. Yeah. That's okay. But, uh, no feather, no trad is that if I'm understanding that, And you know, my buddy goes, Jesus Christ, what do, what do, why do, what do people have a problem with actually hitting what they're aiming at? Why do people have an issue with that? And so of course there started a meme bash fest by this company, which I actually got along with. Okay. But I was thinking one, do you really want to bite the hand that feeds you? My initial idea was to shoot feathers and veins. Now I'm like, I'll just shoot veins for everything. They shoot just as well. And when right. you're when you're on a hunt and something as simple as you throw the bow in the back of the truck and you've got your quiver on with feathers, and then you know double XL big GP throws his jacket over the <laughs> seat seat, <laughs> right? And they lay on your feathers, and those feathers were wet, but still standing pretty good. Well, the 14-pound double XL GP soaking wet jacket's now sitting on those feathers, and they're flatter than a monkey's ass now. You're right. not going to hit anything from any distance, and for for me, um, that is just this just happened on a turkey hunt. is the only reason why I brought that up. And it was not double XL GP; it was large to medium or large to XL. Jake Downs. And my feathers got wet, his (laughs) got wet, uh, went back home, dried them out, steamed them, did all you have to do. And I know there's powder and spray on stuff that'll last a little while, but the idea that you can keep, let's say you want to do some feathers. I understand that you can keep two or three veined up arrows in your quiver. So, you know, no matter what you're going to hit, it is truly a game changer. And I've had people say, oh, there's been a, I can't remember a vein out, and I can't remember what it was. We were able to do this. Well, maybe you were, but for the most part, I have not found a vein that shoots off a shelf until this one that hits in the same spot. Now you can do that. Anyone can do it. That's huge.
0: I I literally am completely ignorant to the trad side of things. Um, And so for me, like when I listen to you speak, you don't go on i mean maybe the turkey hunt was one of your more simple type hunts and so i'm i'm asking this legitimately why do you think it is that the carbon arrows and the carbon limbs and the you know i doubt that they're using elk for strings um you know anymore they're probably using the highest quality uh string material that
1: yeah i'm running bcyx
0: (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> it, right. Exactly. Fully synthetic shit. So, so my question is this, and and I'm I'm honestly asking, wh- why do you think that that line exists? Of you can literally be out here with the most technically advanced materials and products in the world today, but as soon as you don't use feathers, you suck. What? Why is the line there?
1: I'm I. Uh... You think it's
2: like an iconic thing, like the, the feather is kind of synonymous with trad hunting?
1: I, I, I will say the idea of the feather splicing them, it does look cool. I I mean, I'm, I'm not going to b- bullshit you. I like the feather. It looks cool. But, you know, there's a lot of things mm. that look really cool and don't function worth a f- flip, right? And the feather right. works great. In a lot of different ways, and I'm not saying oh anti-feather, but I'm also a guy who's functional and likes to shoot shit. And right. if if at any time, okay, well, let's pick a, a footwear. Okay, well, technically, um, a running shoe fits. You know, uh, you know, go to the gym, walk around town, go running, right? It fits certain purposes not going to strap on crampons to a running shoe. There's different things for different (laughs) purposes. And sometimes you hit one thing that will do all. And I believe this vein will do that. Um, so for me, I like the idea of feathers. They look cool and everything, but I also like the idea of, well, one, the weight of a feather and the price is about worth the same weight of gold. They're fucking expensive. um, A natural barred turkey feather or a natural turkey feather is a dollar a piece. Um, I think 25 cents a piece or more for a standard feather. I don't know. What's your average vein cost?
0: Oh, good Lord. I mean, we're only selling, I mean, we're selling 40 of them for like 11 bucks. So depending on the vein, if it's printed, I mean, that's the other thing about veins is if you want to get them printed, if you want to do all that stuff, it, it, it adds to the cost. But just for plain veins, yeah, no, dude, it's going to be a fraction of that price.
1: Yeah, so uh, right here for 50 for the wave vein, it's thirteen ninety nine. dollars uh, so $14. Um, yep. So what does that equal? Uh, what is that? So if it's – I need to do the math here on the calculator. So I would take – Thirteen ninety nine point nine nine, and I divide that by what did I just say? It was forty of them? Fifty
0: for fifty. I think the waves come with. I think the waves come with fifty.
1: So that's twenty seven point two set. I did that wrong. Why am I retarded? Um. Anyway, Frank, do the math. Um. Frank, help, yeah. help, your boy, out. <laughs> what are we Frank? trying to do here? Uh. Look, everything is, I'm a hammer. Everything's a nail. Um. So as Frank's figuring out the math of that, um, how much it is per vein? <laughs> Fifty divided by what? Fourteen bucks. <laughs> Jesus, this is embarrassing. We should have never 28 brought this. Twenty eight cents. So twenty twenty eight cents. And did you say? <laughs> right. And then how much is a feather? Hold on, one sec. How, did and, you did you keep any of the feathers off your turkeys? I did not. Oh, mostly because they were full of broadhead holes. Um. <laughs> searching okay so they're 67 cents each for a feather uh right everything being equal you know right around there so double the price or more so quite a bit um the other thing too that's nice is is i've shot these super wrinkled up i did actually exactly what you told me in testing i fired them into a target and left them inside the target wrinkly so they'd wrinkle up right pulled them out and shot and they still hit good all all wavy and wrinkly so you know that's super handy as well as well as the fletching process um is handy because i use spray on contact spray cement stuff so they dry faster with feathers but the uh you know with the glue they dry in three seconds you don't have to spray anything down to uh, like with the arrows when i use that 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 contact adhesive so all good i'm excited and last night i was shooting um out to 40 just double checking my bows nothing got beat up too bad and i you know i do kind of a combo i'll shoot three veins a bear shaft couple feathers and yeah, man, at 40, which is about as far as anybody's going to shoot with a stick, I mean, they're in a paper plate. You can't really argue with more than, you know, you can't have more than that.
0: Well, let me ask you this, Aaron. How many trans shooters actually are confident at 40 yards?
1: Internet confident? Because there's a big no. I would say <laughs> less, than, less than 2%, maybe, as a guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. I right yeah. now. Why well, didn't they say... confident? I didn't say confident. I said competent. I'm sure. <laughs> he, I'm sure there's thousands out there that feel confident at 40, but I I reference competent.
2: Yeah, so, good point. So
0: meaning how 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 many trash shooters can actually hit their ass with both hands at 40 yards? I'm not claiming that I can. So everybody out there, send your hate mail to Aaron Snyder at gmail dot com. Aaron Snyder at gmail <laughs> So uh, I'm Aaron Snyder. I'm I approve this Exactly. So I'm not saying I can do it. For anybody out there listening, I'm not claiming to be able to do it. Let's just get that off the table right now. But, I mean, look, the stories are the stories, and I've heard the stories. I know hunters with a compound bow that can't hit their ass with both hands at 40 yards. I tell you what. I think you probably do, too. Yeah,
1: I see him every day. Levi posted something, little asshole, the other day. Uh, he did the Ask Me Anything deal, and levi uh-huh. does not like traditional archers and someone said why don't are you going to try a recurve and levi said no i like to hit what i'm aiming at and i don't want to use it as an excuse to suck <laughs> and i messaged him i'm like hey dickhead i kill more than you and he's like yeah you're the 0.001 percent of course levi doesn't really cuss much and uh, right for whatever reason there is a lot of well, for what I know, the exact reason there's not a happy get along gang between compound and stick bow guys. Always, there's definitely a big disconnect between the two, yes. and Tyler Freeland, Levi, go at it back and forth too, which is I, I like watching. It's it's good for See. me. It's like people watching in Boulder, Colorado. You sit back <laughs> every now and then, throw your right. foot out to trip somebody, but that's about it. You just watch.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, look, that's the you know that's the part about the outdoors world that is. Always a conundrum. Look, you have the Michael Jordan of shooting a bow, Levi Morgan. Plug your ears there, and I, want you to, I don't want your ego to get out of control here, but you're pretty much the Michael Jordan right now of, of trad hunting, trad shooting, period. And so, yes, and you're right. Those worlds don't necessarily overlap too much, especially when you're talking about the less than 1%. Now, you can even add a third entity in there, and that's gun hunters. Now, all of a sudden, you have these three outdoor entities that just MF each other all the time because one is more special than the other. One is more... I don't necessarily understand it. I don't care. You shoot a trad bow, compound bow, gun. I don't give a shit. Buy stuff, support the industry, and hunt with what you want. So, I don't necessarily care, but... I'm probably in the 1% of people that my vote doesn't count anyway because I'm in the industry. So I've never necessarily understood that, but I think your point is is well taken. And I, I recuse myself from lots of uh, conversations like this simply because of, my, of what I do, my vote doesn't count. I'm going to be there anyway. I'm going to be doing it anyway. And so it's whatever. But I do find that the dynamic incredibly interesting. And even within, like what you have shown here with these veins is that, dude, outdoor, outdoor industry people or outdoorsmen, period, we will consume our young if it's not how we think it should be. And you shooting these veins is the perfect example. I mean, like, why wouldn't – tr- and I'm not saying they're not – but why wouldn't the entire trad community community be like, holy shit, there's now a vein option. Huh, feathers are never going to go away. Not trying to make them go away. Um, but why wouldn't the trad community be excited about, and maybe they are, but it seems to me like having the option to shoot veins when you want and how you want would be a welcome addition. But am I incorrect in that?
1: For some, it seems like I mean, don't get me don't get me wrong. There was a pile of people messaging me. Well, I mean, you know, 100, 150 guys immediately. Can you send me some? Uh, as far as wet weather condition, guys, like holy cow, this is a big deal. Which was good, and and I understand yeah. on the monetary portion, obviously, uh, the feather company competes against the vein company. You know, I I get that, but like you said, the I mean, feathers aren't going anywhere. My thing. Cut and dry. I don't want to go on a $10,000 mountain goat hunt, get up there, go through what sounds like, you know, potential to be rained out three days, have one day of sun, and spend that day paranoid that I can't get my feathers dry and have to shoot something sub six feet because my feathers are flat. Now, I understand that there's powder that you can put on, there's spray, you can protect it. I get all that. But let's take a big step back. Or you can put a fucking vein on and not do anything <laughs> and just go shoot it. I mean, that's right. how my brain works. I'm, I'm like, yeah. I, I, you know, Nick Mookie messaged me. He's like, dude, I just got back from Kodiak. Do not even try it. Don't try it. Do not shoot feathers. He's like, just figured out, dude. Shoot veins. He didn't know. I had you know I didn't tell anyone I was screwing around with these veins Tyler Friel actually messaged me he's like you son of a bitch you didn't tell me and I'm like well dude I wanted to make sure it was going to work before I said hey working on some veins you know right. I wanted to make sure it actually panned out <laughs> but uh yeah and, okay. I, and again sunny Florida whatever I don't care yeah feathers are awesome but you know I could dip them in powder every morning and snort cocaine you know the powder stuff I could <laughs> spray them I could protect them all the time or I could have a few feathers and six veins and just, it's just not shoot
2: shit. It's not as feasible on a backpack hunt especially.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. So anyway, en- enough about that before you get me really going. But the veins work, uh, 3, 4, and 5 inches. is what you're going to come out with. Uh, it's from what I understand. Right. Is that correct?
0: Yes. And just so people understand, um, you know, you obviously are going to have by orders of magnitude, more people that shoot trad listen to your podcast than any other podcast I'm aware of. But um, AAE, you know, once we went through this, and, you know, look, first, the, the monetary value of, of R&D, I don't think a lot of people understand. It's like, I'd be like me telling you, hey, Kafara, I got an idea for this pack. Why don't you make me one to try? And you're like, bro, that's going to be a $10,000 pack. Because we can't just, it's not like we can just change up these things and just whip out a pack. It takes, it takes a lot of resources to do R&D, as you're aware. So these veins for AAE were no different. Once you gave your feedback, we made a couple changes, and then you basically were like, these things are working good. We needed to just decide how many sizes, how many colors, et cetera, et cetera. And then just like anything else, whether it's wood at Home Depot or or milk at the grocery store, AAE then has to invest in making sure that we have what's needed. So hopefully sitting down, AAE's investment in inventory to launch this product is going to be about 1.25 million veins.
1: Well, at least we'll have them.
0: (laughs) right, (laughs) Right. But in order for us to properly uh, warehouse three, four five inch, all the colors, the whole nine yards, it's going to be over a million veins. And AAE, you know, believes in what you, you know, what you helped us build, believes in look, we believe in track. I mean, we own Cavalier. We sell more recurve and traditional shit than you could even shake a stick at. And so, uh, I mean, we're fully vested in the, in the traditional and the recurve market already. Um, Just because you don't see it all day, every day, you know, in the public eye, AAE is vested in it. And so we're going to make over a million veins just to launch this particular product. That's the investment that AAE is willing to put into it. And that's
1: it. Uh, And I appreciate that. And I think that, you know, once people get them in their hands and start using them, I, I would imagine, I know the demand from on my end, I'm like, guys, I didn't build these fucking things, right? I'm just shooting them. Call right. AAE, which probably wasn't the right thing to say. But um, <laughs> did you uh, did you guys have a pretty good? Um, well, I mean, was it received well from from people that saw my videos and stuff, or did you guys get much feedback?
0: Nick Fisher wanted to kill me.
1: Well, that's good. It wasn't me then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh no, Nick Fisher. Nick Fisher's the. General manager, he's, uh, he will, his father, TJ Fisher, owns it. TJ's Fisher, Tom, TJ Fisher's dad, Tom, started it 48 years ago. So Nick is the GM going on third generation. Uh, he called me the next day, uh, after I put together a little compilation and I posted it. Bo Junkie posted it. You had posted it. And he said he has, li- he, that day, he was literally on the phone for hours like uninterrupted, multiple conversations, of course, but he said it was incredible the amount of feedback that he had gotten from distributors, shops, archers. And so I'll tell you what, here's what we're going to do. I actually just found a partial box of some of the prototypes that I had sent you. So whoever's listening to this podcast you guys got to pick it cause it's your podcast. You do the damn work, but whoever's listening to this podcast, Aaron's going to give you some instructions right now. I will send them a hundred of these veins. Gotcha.
1: All right. The instructions are, uh, I guess it would be follow, um, AAE, uh, and kafaru cast tort life myself. And do you want them to follow you too, Greg?
0: They're, they're welcome to, if they're, well, if they follow you, then they'll be fine following me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Anyway, uh, and then uh, tag a buddy, um, and then we'll pick from. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, what we'll do is we will post this up on Kafaru Cast. Uh, you know, uh, when we release this podcast, and then what you're going to want to do is follow those pages, and then tag a buddy on that post, and we'll pick from uh, from that. And then I'll throw some in of mine go. as well that uh, that I have because I'm shooting five inches, so I got a pile of threes and fours I haven't given away yet. So we will send you a sample pack of all of them, and you'll sign
0: them. There you go, there you go. And just so no one's twisted, these are not these are not available yet. Everything the the, the partial box I found and what Aaron has these are the final prototype. Veins. These are not in production yet. They're on the production schedule, which, for anyone who is in manufacturing, understands what that means. They're coming, but uh, follow Aaron's directions there. And uh, I'm 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 curious to to get these veins into some other hardcore track guys' hands and uh, and see what they can do. But uh, I'm I'm pretty confident after seeing you know you 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 put them through the paces. I I, I thought you did a great job. You know, like I said, doing doing shit that's not normal just to see what happens under certain circumstances, like shooting it into a bale and then leaving the veins inside the bale for a while until they get all wrinkled up. Because I've done that with, I mean, I've had the same experience with with compounds. And so shooting at 290 feet a second with a vein that's all wrinkled to shit or I've taken my little scissors and cut out notches where I put holes in them and they all hit the same spot. So. Kind of comes down to aesthetics at some point, but uh, but I'm pretty excited to to see where it goes. But you know, I I keep coming back to the I can't necessarily, and I don't I know haters are haters, and that's what they're here to do is they hate. I get it. Whether you're a company or a shooter, that's cool. But <clears throat> it blows me away how divided people are willing to get nowadays. And just because the internet gave everyone a voice doesn't mean some people should talk. And so you know, it just—I wish, I wish that everybody—and I don't expect Gateway Feathers to be super cool about this new vein. I get it; they're going to be salty. You can insert your meme here of Donald Trump sprinkling salt on anybody, but—but <laughs> um, I—I really hope everyone understands that we are all in this together. All of us, whether you're a trad guy, a compound guy, a gun guy—all shits under attack every day. And the more we try to undermine each other, the more we're helping those that are trying to do away with what we're doing. And if you think, oh, well, it's okay if they regulate this kind of hunting activity because I'm a trad guy. It's not going to affect me. You want to bet? Eventually, it will be at your doorstep. So, look, guys, chill the F out and understand that not everybody drives the same truck as you. Not everybody's going to. You know, shoot the same, everything as you, but just chill the fuck out. Just chill out. There's just no, no need for it. Considering
1: I got about as many messages of that meme they made as they have followers. I was like, wow, good Lord. They they went ham. It was some dude with a pop collar and frosted hair and it said, uh, your friends that shoot veins instead of feathers or something. And everybody's like, I think this is directed at you. I'm like, oh, you think? Well, that I mean, they just R- said rub fucking fairy dust up the skirt one day, and they decided to make that meme magically two days before I had made that post right. about the veins working. So, while we're while we're yeah,
2: talking yeah. about the the industry, it says is if plastic
1: veins were a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Oh, jeez. Yep. Um, <laughs> I yeah yeah yeah. Uh, good lord, there was so I mean there was such a giant option of memes to throw back. I got a headache. Right and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep it in my pants. I'm not going to do anything. I did send a message and say, Hey dude, don't poke the bear. Um, I was like, I'm trying to get along here. I promoted your feathers. I like your feathers. I like your company. Um, But AAE went out of their way to make this work. It cost them a lot of money. They did it without any, I mean, they didn't even blink an eye. I was like, you got to hand it to them. You know, they did me a solid with this. So whatever. But well, we're, Talking about the industry, one of the things I wanted to bring up first here and get your take on it is pro staffs, which Frank actually complains more about than I do these days. And when I say pro staffs, Frank, what's the standard message you get? Usually, uh,
2: hey, guys, I love I love your products. Um, take a look at my social media. I'd love, I'd love to promote. And then naturally, our, we, I would ask, well, you love our products. Do you, do you use our products? what products to use, how long, stuff like that. And then generally it'll come back like, um, no, I don't use your products, but I have
1: this following and I'm going to make these promises to you. And And it's a promise of pre-promotion before use, which I hate. And we just actually had a guy that, okay, so this is where the industry has gone to. This is how Kefaru works. He was promoting our products by setting them up in the front yard and Giving advice and we warned him and said hey, man, that's not how we roll We don't want you to promote those products. I mean obviously hey excited to get the pack. That's normal We love that I do that all the time like hey just got it super pumped to get this thing out, but Don't claim the product as something. It's not from the front yard, please. I strongly suggest use the product and give your honest feedback after using it. Well, lo and behold, he sold everything he had and bought another company's pack because we told him to use the product. That's where the industry's <laughs> gone to. And, and that's how we are as a well, company. Well, I mean, think about well, it. Would you want me to promote that vein before I'd used it? I think I think the problem was he, he wanted to skip
2: the, the part where you gain the experience and make make a name for yourself he just he literally he wanted to skip that entire part use our platform to gain to gain uh notoriety and then go from there but i think our especially a lot of our customers they kind of they can tell if you've used the product before and if you're just doing videos in the front yard or in the in the garage it's pretty obvious that you've not actually used used it before in the field
0: sure well and look I, i i think a lot of what social media has done now is this is it's convince people to try to be something they're not, <clears throat> and you know, Aaron, I've told you this. I'll use myself as an example. Uh, I don't, I don't fake the funk. I use the hashtag know your role because I'm a huge believer in it. Um, and so for me, like I break shit. I'm hard on things, whether, and I did, I didn't get to pack out a moose, uh, you know, out of the out of the tundra this year in Alaska, but. Um, you know, so for me, I break stuff. I break stuff just setting it up. I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know. But so for me, I don't profess to be some hardcore, you know, like Aaron. I wouldn't even hunt with you most of the times. So I tell you to go pound sand because your type of hunting is above my pay grade. It's just what it is. And so when I, you know, speaking of kafaru, I'm not going to try to talk shit about Kafaru as though I have went on a 12-day high country. No, I've not done that. I'm not even really interested in doing that. But what I can tell you is for a guy who's six seven, 280 pounds, how does it fit? How does it feel? Here's how many pounds I put in it. Here's how I trained in it. And I can do all this other stuff. And I think that if a lot, you know, and I'm not saying that my way is the right way. All I'm saying is be real, people. Um, you know, like that guy there, if, if you're trying to be a poser and you're trying to simply get free product or, like Frank said, use a platform to get yourself more likes, well, then you're riding dicks anyway. And you're going to ride it – you know, you're literally going to run out of dicks to ride if that's what you're doing. But you can still build – you can still build a following. You can – and it doesn't matter whether it's bows or veins or rests or arrows or kafaru – if you're authentic and you have something to offer, even if it's comedic value, it doesn't matter. I guarantee you, the Faru has a pack that would get just as much run if you used it on a comedy tour as you did, you know, a 12-day pack-in hunt in the high country. Not everybody is Aaron Snyder. Not everybody is Frank. Not everybody is some of these hardcore guys but I think everyone thinks that's what you have to do to get that kind of love. And the and the problem is, is that's not authentic. And especially with the Kafaro users, I I've never gotten any any hate from any of the posts I've ever posted about Kafaru because I'm not out there trying to tell people I'm something I'm not. And your audience in particular, they can step that shit out like a pig to a truffle. I mean, literally... Your guys' is your following is pretty damn hardcore. And so for a guy like me who's not a hardcore hunter at all, um, I just lift heavy things and do what I'm told. Um, so for a guy like me to be able to post about Kafaru and not get, you know, poser, you know, hate messages or any of that, just be authentic. But if you're not being authentic, then you're going to have problems and you're going to be exposed to, one way or another, and and that's just what it is. Whether whether you're being a poser about how good you can shoot, how many animals you kill, how you kill animals, the equipment you use, any of that kind of stuff, uh, you're going to you're going to get outed. Period. End of story. That's just how it works. At some point, someone in the industry is going to out you, and the Kafaru following most certainly is made up of a high volume of that kind of consumer who they know what they're doing and they know what they're talking about on the, on the target side of things, you know, at least we have tournament records. I mean, I deal with thousands of staff inquiries a year for multiple companies. And when you tell me you're a, you're a, a world champion Archer, number one, I know most about all of them. At least I know who they are. And when I go to any of organization's records and your name's not even in there, it's easy for me to tell you're lying or you're claiming a world championship when you actually won a state. And so it's a lot easier for me to reconcile that than it is, you know, Frank, who's trying to deal with people who just want to be Insta-hos or Insta-bros. I mean, it's it's just one of those things where, it, it's much more of a labyrinth or a rat maze trying to figure out someone's actual value based on a couple hunting pictures and an Instagram following than it is tournament results. But this culture of gimme, 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 and basically non-authentic personalities, dude, it started in archery, oh, what, Aaron, probably seven years ago, and it's, and it's, it, that bubble has kind of burst. You are seeing that kind of go the other direction, but I don't think it's ever really going to go away because for every Kafaru and every Frank and Aaron that are sitting there like, this dude's full of shit, you have five other companies that are going to be like, hell yeah, bro, there's a dump truck of packs on their way to you now. And it makes it difficult for authentic companies like Kafaru. but at the same time, the cream always rises to the top.
1: Well, and I, you know, I'll say f- first thing is like for us, it, it's loyalty and using the product, which does not always mean laying down a pile of animals because some people just don't get to hunt as much. Uh, like we hook right. you up and you don't hardly hunt at all. I mean, you hunt, but not like some guys, guides and outfitters we deal with. You go hunting, uh, but you offer, right. you have a platform, uh, everyday carry packs, you go hunting some, you're in tournament scene. uh you're a giant, so that helps as far as fitting goes. Um, and, well, let's say TJ Perez, who's a super good friend of ours, normal customer, paid full price. We've become cool friends. And let's face it, I love you to death, TJ. You're not exactly laying down animals like the plague, but he's a hell of a photographer. He's using his packs in the field for photography. Great guy. Great representative of Kafaro. We take care of him. We don't yep. give him everything, but we've given him some packs. We'll give him deals. As an example, so I'm not saying, like, you have to lay down the plague, but some loyalty is uh, a big deal to to me. And um, we'll take Gladiators Unleashed. Luke is not the pinnacle of hunting um, <laughs> or shooting or, or tuning. Or fitness. Or, or fitness. Or looks. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> – luke is an unbelievable guy he's been super loyal to us we're loyal to him he's more of a comical platform but he's been loyal and one of the reasons um i'll give you an example i'm a black widow guy but bob lee bows Uh, i talked to them i wanted to shoot their bows and i said hey you know what um total up front i will buy the bow can you just give me a brother deal i may end up shooting one Um, I may not it just depends uh, because you know it's kind of weird with with a stick bow obviously it kind of what's the word one of it's like an extension of your arm like any weapon but it's really more critical with a bow told them up front what was going on I said hey you know what you send me a loaner we worked it out and they were super easy to deal with I didn't end up shooting their bow they make an unbelievable bow but I was very upfront I just didn't just call and say hey I'm Aaron Snyder give me some shit I was like, hey, I'll promote you either way if it's a good bow. I'll sell bows for you. Not everyone's going to like a widow, even though that's my personal preference. I was very honest and upfront, and I had something to offer. And I get those guys are unbelievable people. Um, I I may shoot a black widow, but I have a great relationship with them. And I earned uh, the discount they gave me. And, and if people would call sometimes with us and say, hey, I'm kind of an up-and-comer in the industry. I, I like your packs. I really can't afford one, um, but I'm saving up for it. Those are the people I remember because I know they truly wanted to use our pack, um, you know, and, and, and as things grow, great. But we had one guy asked us for a discount. We didn't do it. Uh, the muffler was still warm on the UPS truck, and he had a more of a – a Cabela's pack on. Remember that best right. pack ever made super comfortable <laughs> fucking tags were probably still hanging off of it. That is what's wrong with the industry <laughs> to me. Didn't use it and he's promoting it. it's the best. And literally he got it that day. We don't like people to do that with Kefaru. In right. um, the the pro staff and we make jokes, call it a bro staff. Very few people on our pro staff ha- are not using it in the field, whether it's travel, photography, hunting, outfitting, and we build a relationship with them in other companies, which you deal with as well. Um, oh, you've, you know, you've got this many likes. Yeah, we'll send you three packs. Well, mm-hmm. now that pack in his mind is the best, but is it truly the best? Or is it just what someone sent you for free? Um, what is that? Or are you sending blanket emails out and changing the name to anybody that'll send you free shit? We get that a lot because we talk to other companies. What, kind of, what does right. that say you as a person? I mean, think about if you were dating. I mean, nothing wrong with pulling ass. But if you're trying to find a wife <laughs> and you're giving the same spiel to every woman, hoping one <laughs> of them sleeps with you, do you think you're going to marry right. and have a long-term relationship with that woman? Probably not.
0: Oh, I dude, I get it. And, I mean, you, you brought up the L word, which uh, could certainly take us down a rabbit hole, which I'm not scared of in, in any way. But that's loyalty. <laughs> and uh frank frank I you actually meant love. Mentioned... Yeah, I was like, mentioned this is getting <laughs> deep man oh geez <laughs> hashtag bromance right but you brought up loyalty and you know frank even mentioned in his comment a little bit earlier you know loyalty is loyalty is pretty much everything in in my world um Yes, people are going to come and go, but it's really a matter of your loyalty is going to dictate the amount of growth you have in the relationship. Not just a friendship, but the relationship, period. And when you have people that are not authentic, um, you know, that's basically what you end up happening. You guys see it, but the loyalty thing, it, it is an epidemic right now, and social media is part of the reason, like, you guys are seeing – uh, you know, we sent this guy a pack, and then literally two weeks later, you see him on social media with some other pack, and he didn't say shit to you about it. I mean, we see it in tournament archery all the time. Guys will change, not necessarily bows because bows are the big, big ticket item in our world, but arrows, veins, strings. If you're a company, whether it's Kafaro or not, I'll just use Kafaro because I'm on the phone with you, but. If you sent someone a free product or gave that person a discount on a product, I feel that person is obligated to let you know if they are going to make a change out of respect for the discount and or free product that you gave them. But what's happening nowadays is no one feels compelled to notify a company if they're going to make a change whether it's a change because they hate the person or they hate the company or the product sucks, it's irrelevant. I'm just, I'm concerned with the respect that I see, uh, not happening. Uh, you know, um, obviously if you and friends decide you're going to cut off Joe Baggett Donuts from your pro staff, you tell them, Hey man, thanks for everything. We're not going to be able to work with you moving forward or however, you know, you guys go about doing it. You tell them. But right now what we have is so many people who are not authentic trying to basically canvas and spam companies for free stuff. I literally hear, uh, you know, at, at AAE, we literally have a policy. And for any of you listening, pay attention, hear me now, and believe me later on, or try it and see what doesn't happen. If you form email sales at or info at Arizona archery for free shit or a discount. If you're going through that just standard method of getting a hold of AAE, you're pretty much going to be denied. Sorry, period, end of story. We're at tons of events. I am damn near everywhere. Everybody knows who everybody is within the AAE company, whether it's me or Kristen or Nick Fisher Or TJ Fisher, or there's a phone number, call. But if you're to whom it may concern, or dear manufacturer, or no, this has happened to you guys, we have literally gotten emails they forgot to change the name (laughs) on. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, we get those.
0: Yeah, I have literally seen staff requests that said boning. Yeah. They literally forgot to change it from boning to AAE. And those are, the ty- those are the kinds of people that we have to deal with. And, and here's the problem. And it's not that it's not fair. It's just the reality of the situation. If Frank used to deal with 500 of these kinds of people, and the 501st person is an authentic person who has value, Frank has just got done dealing with 500 douchers. And so his response initially to the 501st guy is going to be slightly jaded. That's how reality works. That's how humanity works. When you deal, you know, if you're a cop and you pull, and you pull over 500 people and they're all assholes to you, the 501st person that you, that you pull over, your attitude's probably not going to be the greatest to that person because you are simply conditioned to that now. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand is they're like, well, why well, didn't do that? No, but 500 people before you did. So now you got to deal with that shitstorm. And it's not hard for you to prove that you are authentic and you have actual value, but there's so many people out there that don't care about doing that, that it does affect the legitimate ones. And that's just reality. Well,
1: and let's talk about loyalty a little bit and, and we can be super candid. I mean, uh, AAE and Greg pool is, is on my daughter's life has never paid me a dime. Um, now you guys, uh, had a deal with Gritty and I'm not sure where that's at or, or not. And I'll stay out of that. But as far as you and I, I have not asked you for anything as far as the veins go. Um, and, and I have had, uh, feather companies offer me money. Um, and, and you and I won't now, if you start making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, we may have a different conversation. But <laughs> right now, you, you know, for me, the loyalty was you going above and beyond to build the damn vein, which is super expensive. Um, so right now I'm like, well, shit, we're even you. You did me a solid by building something I needed now. Again, there is a reality here, like um, if GT's Kombucha, which if you're listening, you assholes need to call us because we've sold more GT's Kombucha than anyone known to man. And we've never heard from them. I'm still not happy about that. But if you uh, are have been loyal to me, which you and I have been extremely loyal to each other, what kind of an asshole would I be by saying, hey, I need you to stop production, take a shitload of money, make a million veins and pay me to promote this? That's kind of a dick sure. move, you know, if, if now again, Greg, we may have been a different conversation in 2020, but as of right now, <laughs> you'd be paying for me for something you haven't sold yet, right? You don't know how it's going to go, sure. and you've already pissed away thousands of dollars, I don't say pissed away, but kind of, to get me the product I mm-hmm. wanted. To me, that's friendship sure. and loyalty, okay?
0: So... No, I was just going to say you're, you're absolutely right, and, and Aaron's not Faking the funk there. It, Aaron has never asked me or AAE for a penny. Um, that is absolutely, absolutely 100% true. I mean, even to back up, when you said you wanted, to, what's that? Is it what's the name of that that plastic part, the composite part that we
1: make for you? K clip.
0: K clip. When you came to me with that, you're like, hey, I'd like to make this this K clip. We can only get them in aluminum, but there's got to be a better way to do this, a way that's going to be just as strong, that's made out of composite, that's going to offer some other things. So what did we do? AAE literally started getting material after material after material, and we literally came up with a material, a composite material that is so strong, I about blew my butthole out. (laughs) trying to break it in half i literally made i took two straps and i put a foot loop on one end uh, a loop on the top that goes through one side of the k-clip and then about a foot and a half strap on the top and i put my foot through the bottom the k-clip on the front and then i hold the top strap about my chest and i literally use everything i had to try to break that clip now i did break a couple of the early ones we made some slight modifications and then literally you cannot break those things. And you guys are buying those by the thousands and no one in the backpacking or that world has a composite K clip like that. And so it's, it's projects like that that are reciprocal. Um, and it all comes down to loyalty and trust. Um, if I didn't trust you and AAE didn't trust me. We're not going to spend the kind of revenue and the kind of money it takes to develop these things, especially when it's new to us. We didn't know anything about K clips and I'm still not even fully up to speed on what the hell you're using all of those for, but guess what? It's the strongest composite clip you can, you can ever, they're super strong. You know, as far as the veins go, none of us shoot traditional bows. We don't know shit about that, but I trust you. They trust me. So when I go to them and I go, hey, here's what Aaron Snyder would would like to try. And if it works, then we're going to, then we'll roll with it. That's where the trust and the loyalty comes into it. And that kind of trust only comes from loyalty, period, end of story. You can't buy it. Um, And that's pretty much where we are. And the other facet of it is this. Yes. If we make 1.3 million of these trad veins and that's not enough to start and we end up selling just unbelievably stupid amounts of these things, you're not going to have to worry about getting taken care of because that's just the way we do business period. And so, and there's a trust there the on my part. end
1: that I don't have to ask cause I trust you that you would take care of me. And
0: I exactly,
1: Good Lord, I don't want this is going to come off as a hate podcast, which it probably should, I guess. But when you deal with it every day, it does get, you know, people are like, oh, don't pay attention to the haters, you know, whatever. It's not like they alter my life when we get, you know, because for every, th- I would say probably thousand good messages, we get a bad one. But what makes is amazing to me is, um, you know, on certain things like this, you, well, the guy that went to the other pack company we we're just talking about. We showed him loyalty before we even knew him and we actually gave him somewhat of a discount, which I took the chance and I should have never done. I'm like, hey, he's trying to get going in the industry and this f- f-
2: Athletically fucker challenged.
1: now has sold all his shit after I gave him a discount, which we never do for anyone, which we may need to edit that last FAT part out and has gone to another company, <laughs> even though I went above and beyond to help him out, to help him get started in the industry, tried to guide him on what to do. Now he's anti-Kefaro, and I, it's like, okay, well, think about it. If you and I have had the relationship we've had, and I am promoting you in a way that you do not like, and you call me, and, and you're good at keeping me grounded well, because you're not scared of me, and you'll say, hey, dummy the fuck are you doing and then i sell every aav vein and now i'm like you know pro pick whoever i don't know whatever um yeah that's not loyalty i mean friends are friends and loyalty is forever meaning uh i have done some crazy things in my past and i'm more than most likely going to do crazy things in my future you're still going (laughs) to like me as a friend you may not um advertise that we're super close if i do anything stupid but you still got my back that's a long-term friendship that's loyalty now this thing's like how many people have we had oh the big c word he better run when i see him a guy that i gave thousands of dollars to my own products treated like a brother and the moment we don't give him a free sawtooth basically leaves us and this happens, it's not just Kefaru, this is everyone. I mean, it's not like poor pitiful mm. us. I mean, this is the industry. The sense of self entitlement right. from that well obviously he wasn't that good of a friend to begin with. Those kind of things to me are like super at the core bother me <laughs> badly. For well, sure.
0: Well well they're 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 huge red flags. I mean, I trust me, I know all too well what it's like to spend you know, hours, and uh, God, hundreds of hours on the phone helping someone, you know, coddle them and help build them a brand. And then the first opportunity for a paycheck comes and they just cut and run because they think they found a bigger dick to ride. And that's just, that's short term, that's short sighted. And the problem is similar to your situation. And trust me, I've Heard it all just like you probably have, similar to my situation. Uh, that's everybody else sees it as well. So when you put as much of your time and energy like you and I have, I mean, my wife over the last decade sat there glaring at me for untold amounts of hours while I helped this particular guy because he was incapable of doing it himself. And then the first opportunity he gets for a check just stabs me in the back and runs off well guess what everybody's everybody has seen it and everybody has commented on it and now he's trying to be something that he simply is not capable of being because that's not who he is same thing as yours sorry man it was a it was a great ride while it lasted but you just didn't understand who was driving the train and other people see it we see it the industry sees it and like i said earlier the cream rises to the top and eventually, all of those things have a funny way of working themselves out, kind of like yours is.
1: Well, and and there and it does go both ways as well. Um, I will say that, you know, before we dive into it too much, I personally have made mistakes. Not saying purposefully, but I have um, not paid attention to specific people I probably should have because I just overlooked and and they moved on and. I called them and we had a conversation. It was great. They're like, dude, I just, I didn't feel the love. Um, and I'm like, man, that's right. totally on me. Um, I'm not making excuses. I get busy and, you know, I screwed up, man. If you ever want to use a kafar again, to- dude, I'm totally for it. My bad. And and it does swing both ways. Right. And it, and, and also if someone's promoted the, the crap out of you, we're in a situation right now, somebody who's promoted that we we've, we've actually paid, but you know, quite honestly is just asking for about three times more amount of money than we can, really justify paying him. Now there's the the conversation, which you've got to have all the time, you know, of, Hey, you know, man, I'm sorry, but we just can't do this. I'm hoping we can still be friends, but man, we can't support you monetarily that way. That that's just how business should work. Not I'm worth way more than that. Kafaru now is going to suck. And that happens all the right. time. you know there's got to be a happy balance with everything and, and and the loyalty certainly does go both ways, whether you be the user or the supplier, um, and it can go, can go wrong the other way, and, and that's unfortunate, but for me, I just get busy, which is why Frank helps me out now. But thank you, Frank. Right
0: Well, first of all, <laughs> first of all, anyone who's ever met you or has ever dealt with you knows the very first thing you'll admit is that you suck. Especially at adulting communications and some of those things, yeah, at adulting, and that's why that's why your other wife Frank is there to <laughs> take care of you. Hundred percent, exactly. Yeah, exactly, and you don't even you don't even deny that. I mean, everybody needs in in the work situation doing as much shit as you're doing. Everybody needs somebody to tie up those loose ends. Period. End of story. Here at eight, I have Nina. Nina Hinton is my Frank. Um, There's just so much going on that I have to have somebody to do things. And so I totally get it. But I think what a lot of people don't understand, and Frank and Aaron, you guys are just Frank. I mean, I don't think people understand. You may have an Instagram following and you may have this or that. But if you're not transitioning that to sales, you don't give a shit how good looking you are or how nice your ass is or how many animals you kill if no one that follows you is being converted to sales, it doesn't matter, period. End of story, it's all about conversion. If you can't move the needle with sales, that doesn't fucking matter. And so when you give someone, I mean, a backpack or a whatever it may be, or xi don't know how you guys do it internally, whether you do items or dollar values, But when you give someone $500 in value of a product, how do you guys, how do you guys verify mathematically how much product that person needs to convert to sales to make up for that 500 bucks?
1: We kind of figure double. So for, you know, for example, if we paid someone 10,000 a year, we need to be able to roughly verify they've sold us 20 to even break even. You know, we don't, since we're made in America, we're a little bit more expensive and so the margins aren't as high, where um, an Asian-made company, and not to get into this wormhole, but, you know, there's usually a, a 4 to 6x multiplier on some things, and so there's more room. Right. They got a lot more juice in the squeeze, and so they can g- give a lot larger discounts. But either way, um, uh, for, for example, um, I, I recently... Well, not recently, when I in 2017 was offered a contract that I did not take uh, because I just would have lost all legitimacy that was so out of the realm of reality for even me, I was like how much do I need to sell to make it worthwhile for you to pay me this much? This is how, what a fucking idiot I am. right? I'm talking myself (laughs) out of getting paid, but I'm like, how much I'm like, dude, that, that does not seem fair because if you're paying me, you know, 50 grand, I, I need to sell you a hundred. Well, in, in reality, the margins were different and, and I could understand kind of where it was coming from, but you know, for, for most companies, you're going to have to sell double. So if you paid me at AAE a thousand a month, I got to be able to at least justify selling you two grand a month or, or really right. I'm costing you more money than I'm making you. I, I don't know how you guys figured out, but we, that's what we do.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a five to seven times multiplier. Uh, Depending on the on the uh, on the company and their particular agenda, there are companies that have come into this uh, that the, that, the, that have come into this space that you're aware of and have dealt with, where theirs wasn't necessarily about an, an ROI. For those of you listening that don't know, that's re- return on investment. A, an ROI multiplier. They were they basically used a lot of their marketing, and this has happened a lot, to basically get their to build their brand, and then they address sales after the fact so that is one method it's a short-term method but it has worked but for me uh, you know on this side if you get free arrow rests if I give if, if I give a shooter a free arrow rest I need them to sell me six to eight of them period that's all there is to it because by the time you look at how much money AAE has into that arrow rest in manufacturing marketing, advertising, insurance, overhead, all the things that go into the price, Our amount of profitability on that is not what it is for the dealer, most certainly not what it is for even the distributor, especially with the current model where distributors are buying a distributor and selling at retail.
1: You need to go into this now while it's hot. Uh, I don't think people understand the manufacturer of the product is the one that gets screwed more than anyone else, as far as on the margins, because and I I oh. need to take a pee break, which is going to give AJ Dubay another dollar in his new bow fund, um, <laughs> or maybe 10. <laughs> but you, if can you explain because you'll do it better than me basically, all the chains from the process of build to selling out of Cabela's, how many different uh tiers there are, and those roughly the margins gained by each one,
0: yeah. So you know, I, I actually did a pod, I actually did my first podcast ever by myself here on the Bojunkie Junkie Media podcast. Uh, I don't know a couple months ago, where I basically outlined all of the expenses that manufacturers have to go through. Now, granted, this is American because hashtag America, and that's what we care about right now, and that's the topic of conversation both for Kafaru, AAE is 100% American paid and American made. American laid that's just how it works and (laughs) so I basically went through all of the overhead from from years ago of cost of insurance cost of labor cost of uh, you know medical care Obamacare absolutely devastated more companies than you can even imagine the cost of goods from aluminum to steel to plastics I mean, all of these expenses has, have continued to go up and my, my podcast was basically meant for people complaining about why archery prices continue to go up. And it's not because the archery manufacturers are making more money. They're not. Um, AAE actually made more dollars a decade ago. And so the prices have not quadrupled, but the cost of doing business pretty much has. And the only people that take, take that in the short um, you know, obviously, the consumer pays some of it, but unlike the insurance company, manufacturers in, this, in, this, uh, in the outdoor realm don't get to pass on 100% of that. It's just not how it works. So a manufacturer will make any given product and operate on, you know, anywhere from 12 to 18% margin of profit on that on that item. Now, the thing that's interesting is once they sell that to a distributor… If the distributor is selling that item to a dealer, it's a somewhat normal margin, even though the the distributor dealer price is usually more than the manufacturer dealer price. It's a matter of availability, seven-day-a-week shipping, that kind of stuff. But the dealer will then get that item. And on smaller items, dealers want to keystone it, which is basically, you know, double it. Um, and so which is the way the system's worked forever. But now with online purchasing, that is somewhat that foundation or that model is being eroded to the point where I'm not sure, I don't think distributors are even going to be around or needed in the next 10 years because what's happening is distributors, not all, not all of them, but some of them, are buying at distributor and then they're also selling at retail. So they're paying the lowest amount possible and they're selling for the highest amount possible. So they are making more money than both the manufacturer and the dealer while competing against the dealers are also trying to supply. And why dealers even go for that is beyond me. If I was a dealer, there is no way in hell I would ever buy from a distributor who is also selling retail against me, literally taking sales out of my pocket and I'm purchasing from that same competitor. It just blows me away. But archery dealers at times are, are their own worst enemies. And uh, some of them are gonna learn that the hard way or the easy way. So, but as a manufacturer, manufacturers are, are, are expected to support all the organizations. Manufacturers pay all the contingencies. Manufacturers do all the advertising. Manufacturers do, are basically given the bill for everything there is in the industry. I mean, when you talk about even Kafaru, if Kafaru sends Joe a Donuts influencer a, a five hundred dollars in free product, well, that staff allocation has to be built into the cost of marketing. Well, marketing is built into the cost of the product, and so similar to anything else, as you work through all of these other things the the price has to be accounted for somewhere when aaron or frank sends you that 500 dollars box of goodies from kaparu that money that was built in that's not something where they're just taking that off their bottom line that has to be incorporated into the price just like anything else when you go to the grocery store and you look at the bananas that price includes a certain amount of waste because they know for a fact a certain percentage of those bananas are not going to sell and they're going to have to throw them away. It's called shrinkage. Uh, if you know anyone who works in a grocery store, every single day they have to measure shrinkage. That's the amount of food they have to throw away because it didn't sell. Well, that's factored into the price. It's the same way in the outdoor industry. Um, So manufacturers are the ones being squeezed from both ends on both the price and the margin. And so, you know, if you want to blame a manufacturer for high prices, then you really need to step back and look at the amount of revenue that's moving from point A to point B. I don't think you have – I don't think that there's FET on the Kafaru side – but on AAE side, we also have to factor in 11% for federal excise tax. That's the Pittman-Roberts Act where that 11% goes into a fund and those funds are used for conservation and all kinds of other uh, you know, things in, in the outdoor realm. Uh, we could do a whole other podcast on whether the Pittman-Roberts funds are allocated properly or not, but we won't go into that now. But the point is, manufacturers are the ones that have to pay the bill for the entire industry, whether it's Kafaru in the in the outdoor industry or AAE uh, just on the archery side. The fact of the matter is, the costs to do business keep going up, but they're going up at a higher rate than what manufacturers are able to raise prices for. Uh, in the podcast I did, I actually brought up the, the average cost of homes from Six, eight years ago, average price of cars, median incomes, and the cost of doing business is going up at a faster rate than pretty much everything else. And that is, that's why so many companies are taking things offshore. That's why so many companies are outsourcing, because they have to survive. And for everyone that's sitting there complaining about, I only buy American, no, you don't. If you're listening to this podcast on an iPhone, you most certainly did not buy American, <laughs> depending on what vehicle you have, depending on what TV you're watching. No, you didn't buy American at all. Um, and that's just, I mean, do you have a refrigerator in your house? Well, guess what? It's probably not, it's most certainly not American-made. And so we all have to balance that out. Um, you know, Aaron made a reference to, um, you know, other, other packs because Caparos are American-made. I've had lots of backpacks, and I've broken every goddamn one, but I have not broken a Caparo yet. not that I try to intentionally break things. I'm just not easy on things. And so just because something is American-made does not necessarily mean that it's of the highest quality. Uh, That doesn't mean that everything that's Chinese-made is shit either, but there is a balancing act there, and that's something that we have to find. But as far as the manufacturers go... In the entire outdoor industry, I think people look at a company like Safari or AAE and go, "Oh, it's not going to hurt them to give me a free pack." Well, or you know, or a free rest or whatever it may be. Well, hurting is a relative term. Um, you have to understand that for every arrow rest I give you, or veins, or whatever I give you, or whatever pack Frank or Aaron give you, we're not able to give that pack to somebody who might deserve it even more than you. And that's where a lot of these non-authentic people come into play where they don't care about what's right. They don't care about all they care about is themselves and getting free stuff because their only purpose is not to promote AAE or to promote safaru. Their only goal is to promote themselves, not hunting, not conservation, not the outdoors, to promote themselves. I mean – when you look at it, at Aaron Snyder's social media, Aaron's the first guy to admit, uh, you know, with your little, I saw your little turd deal in the snow the other day. Which why the hell you had turkeys in the snow is beyond me. But um, you said you hit it with the hit it with the first shot, missed it with the next, and ended up p- putting it down finally with the third shot. How many people out there actually admit that shit? Yeah, almost anyone
1: actually it's funny you bring that up i had a guy post publicly on kafaru cast that i didn't show enough remorse on the the owdad hunt um when we did the podcast did you read that one friend no i didn't see that and uh i messaged him and i just said hey man uh i might have posted publicly i said hey man i, I could have faked it um like everyone else but we did the podcast two weeks later and Pretty hard for me to fake anything two weeks after, you know, remorse. And uh, basically, he said tracking at eleven miles is what you're supposed to do. Um, I don't know anybody that does that personally, you know. Not patting myself on the back, but I, I, I do, um, I do do I do everything I humanly possibly can as far as training, shooting, whatever to to do it right. And I think, and I brought this up on a podcast yesterday uh, that I did on someone else's. When the industry's gotten to a point where they'd rather hear a lie than the truth, there's a problem. Meaning you can't be truthful with everything. There's just certain things. I touch myself in the shower every time I shower. That is something that not everybody needs to know. <laughs> oh, everybody knows it now. Oh my God. But again, there's other right. things, too, that people need to relate. Like, have you misset your sight from 30 and you went to an 80-yard target and it hit 20 feet in front of the target? those are good things to talk about. So it's relatable. Like, man, I'm not the only one that's done that or had to run the Turkey down and missed one trying to shoot at it. And that when you're in a, when you have a a spear of influence, when you're, when you're someone people look up to or look at for info, I think it is very important to know that no one's perfect. We're all fallible and that you shouldn't get your head down. You shouldn't get depressed because we all make mistakes and shit just happens. And I, I tell it, for the most part, like it is, because I want people to say, "Yeah, man, I've been there," rather than this false persona of perfection that is just flat out not there. And one guy specifically we know of that's you know wounded and missed a ton of animals, and you know last year I think he missed two or three mule deer, and the last mule deer he hit was ninety some yards, and then he missed a moose not that long after at the same distance, uh, poking a hope preaching about conservation when in reality it's all a lie and I I just would rather people hear the the truth and I get what the guy's coming at as far as being more remorseful but as is Frank and you know I'm not the most remorseful guy to begin with and going after it for as long as I did kind of showed the dedication and remorse I had I didn't want to leave it out there I don't know how much that guy's hunted and I don't have anything against the guy but in reality, most people wouldn't, one, tell the truth, and would, two, probably leave the animal and not find it. You can say that's what you're supposed to do, but how many people do you know have tracked an animal 11
0: miles? A yeah, oh, no, uh, Helicopter, I don't know any. And so, I mean, <laughs> that, that is the case in point right there, Eric, where, where people, and this is an outdoor, I don't know if it's just an outdoor thing, I'm not a golfer or a bowler, I don't know if they have the same issues, but that is the... Uh, if it's not, if, if it doesn't meet my definition of remorse, then you didn't have it. And I didn't know you tracked that odd for 11 miles, but nothing reeks of remorse more than after about the second mile you keep going.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, I, you know, I, I think it, I guess, would be everyone's perspective. And uh, maybe he's hunted way more than I have. Maybe he hasn't hunted as much. But any, I'd say we probably got 150. I fifty. I—I mean, I know I have positive comments about that podcast. Thank you for telling the truth. I mean, people need to hear that. Um, so when I read that one, it threw me off a little bit. because And I'm not, this is not a hating, oh, oh, my God, comment. This is a more of a really realism for people to... Uh, to think about, I guess, is um, you when you are in the um, public's eye, I guess, and I've seen Levi, I didn't know Levi had the temper he's got. He's got a bit of a temper. Um, <laughs> I've seen him go off Did the handle. No
0: shit?
1: Yeah, no, he does not. Um, on things where someone will post something and it gets him going, but you also have to think, Frank, myself, you, when you, like you said, the 500 Uh, people and then you get to 501 (laughs) well if you deal with people constantly nitpicking oh you've got oh here's an example i had i shot that arrow and hit the tree at the turkey so i put my arrow back in the quiver without a broadhead on it a guy messages jake because day sixes are super durable arrows and i don't want to stir up any trouble but he did he break that arrow on a turkey and jake's (laughs)
2: like
1: no he didn't break the arrow on the turkey there's no broadhead in it how many people do you think that guy told that I broke an arrow on a turkey? I'm missing a three-inch-long broadhead, okay. so it's three inches shorter. And one, why does it matter? Okay, like, okay, right. one, why didn't you message me? And one, well, I guess what that would be, and three. And D. Yeah, C, E, F. If you were really paying attention— you would have known i wedged a broadhead straight into a tree that is still there as an indian artifact now a native american artifact that will come <laughs> up in a thousand years that uh, i had to unscrew the the arrow but it's like okay are you asking that question to stir up shit are you asking that question because you want to know are you are you curious uh, you know point in fact they are sponsored by three of our competitors so i'm assuming it was to mm. stir up shit but it's like good lord people uh, that kind of stuff just I'm going off on a tangent here, but it's like, good lord, I mean, people have too much time on their hands, basically. Well, and a lot of this shit, and you've seen it more than it should be. Their 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 quote or their statement should be in parentheses at the bottom, in theory, because they have no on hand hands-on testing in the field. Of I've got 26 percent FOC. Of course, I'm picking on the FOC now, but, and this is the most penetrating broadhead arrow combo you've ever found, whatever, whatever, except I never shot anything.
0: So in theory.
1: Right. Or tournament shootings the same way.
0: Yeah. It penetrates my block target better than anything. Whatever. I don't give a shit. But I mean, you know, to, to your point, it's like people don't know what they want, meaning I I was told, and I've said this on my podcast several times, I was told by a producer uh, years ago talking about hunting television, what you see is not what you get, it's what we give you. That's no shit. Yeah, meaning these producers on a lot of these television shows, if someone shoots it back in the butt, they will literally scrub the footage and change the impact point. Yes, people, they can do that. And so it's really a, a, a lose-lose because if you show it, if you show, like I, there's been several people out there who have shown horrible shots, the juries have. Chris Brackett was really never afraid to show a bad shot or, uh, Tim Wells. you know, any of these other, yeah, exactly. These guys show real-life incidents of bad shots. You're out there killing that many animals a year, not even Levi, Levi, Morgan will show a bad shot too. He's a, he's the greatest 3D archer to ever pick up a bow and his shooting ability makes him a ridiculously lethal hunter, but even he makes bad shots on, on animals and he'll show it and they get blasted for it. Like, I can't believe you showed that. But then out of the other side of their mouth, when someone like me who says things that not everybody in the TV world wanted said, like, well, guess what? What you see is not what you get. It's what they give you. The same person gets all bent about that. Well, that's not real hunting. Well, guess what, bitch? You complained <laughs> when the guy showed him shoot one in the guts, and now you're pissed off because you found out that on some shows, they change a gut shot to a heart shot. You don't get it both ways. And, I mean, that's part of the hypocrisy in the audience is that, Right now, the biggest, you know, what's the biggest complaint in hunting television? Well, I don't get to hunt uh, 200-inch deer all day every day. I don't get to hunt on these farms. I don't get to hunt here. I don't get to hunt there. It's not real for me. Well, guess what? Shooting that motherfucker in the guts is real for you, so what's the problem?
1: Yeah, you bring up a very valid point there, and we do eat our own, and I mean, okay, let's rewind real quick. Uh, How many people in the world would have known... Ryan Broderick, who um, can keep a secret, I know for a fact, and two <laughs> dudes that hate the public eye si, and Scott uh, that really doesn't know anyone in the industry would have known, and I could have, I don't know, let's make some shit up, Frank. I stalked within 16 yards in its bed, Stabbed barefooted, it. uphill both ways, heart shot that owdad, <laughs> unbelievable footage, Can am- amazing shit happened that day. Because we did have a video of me shooting it on the second shot, right? That looked like mm. a 10-yard shot, whatever. We could have lied about that, totally faked it. Instead, I post a truth, and I have somebody tell me I'm not remorseful enough. Like I said, people would right. much rather believe a lie. <laughs> I think people just like to complain well, about well,
2: anything well. nowadays, but yeah. I personally, I'm, I, like, uh, I like people when they're genuine and honest. It, it makes it more relatable personally, but I guess people bitch
0: about whatever. Well, and that, that, that's my whole point about the hypocrisy of, of the audience. You're getting blasted because you told the truth. But guess what? Had you did what, I'm not even going to put a percentage out there, that's a lot, over 90, if you had done what the vast, vast majority of TV and online hunters do, which is you don't say shit about the first shot, you only show the second one and the recovery, and you're like, boom, I'm the man. Down, had you done that, no one would have known. Then, if it would have came out down the road by a cameraman ratting you out or a guy who whoever rats anyone out, it doesn't really matter who. But had it come out later, oh yeah, you know that Aaron Snyder, remember that odd ad hunt? Yeah, that would his that was his second shot because the first one he shot it in the butthole, and then they had to track <laughs> it into the next county. You would have got blasted even worse for that. Is mine, nigga, Problem back. is.
1: Alright, that was bow down song. <laughs> pop those on every <laughs> now and then.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Gangster rap made me do it. I did it. And so, um, but that's the whole point of the hypocrisy is people out there don't realize how often they're misled on social media and video So when it does come out or when someone does speak the truth like you, that's their moment to overreact to it because something inside of them tells them this happens a whole bunch and I just don't know it. So I'm going to flip shit over this one because he just admitted it or now I know it. And that's just and that's just the reality of it. None of us are perfect, period. End of story. None of us are perfect, not in our personal lives, not in our professional lives, and most certainly not in hunting. Hunting is not a perfect scenario, period, end of story. It's just all there is to it. And so people at home have been conditioned by these television shows. They've been conditioned by Inst- Insta Bros and Insta Instahos that all this shit is perfect and Unfortunately, that's just not the reality of the situation. You know, I use uh, Cameron Haynes as an example. I don't, I don't understand why Cameron Haynes gets the hate that he gets simply because Cameron Haynes is not filming a TV show. Cameron Haynes doesn't have to kill 22 animals a year. Cameron Haynes doesn't have to do all that. But guess what Cameron Haynes can do? He can fucking hunt. He can... He's in better shape than all of us combined, and he can actually shoot a bow, and even he is not perfect when it comes to that situation. So what is it in this audience that has conditioned them to think that perfection is the unit of measure for everyone? So when someone either willingly, like you, says, I'm not perfect, here's what I did, you get roasted, or when someone tries to do what everyone else does and gets caught, they get roasted. It's like people want it both ways, and the problem is is that's just not reality.
1: No, for sure. And I would have to say with Cameron, part of it is it's just his following so big. His probably percentage of hate is low. It's just his following is so freaking big. I mean, because neither, like Frank and I have never been like Cameron, leg humpers. I guess I'd say it's probably more of a manner of respect. Like, you can't sure, deny absolutely. well part of it too is Frank and I talk so much shit I think that people might take the, I mean I, we don't really ever talk shit about Cameron because I've made a couple of nipple comments but overall you can't take away you can't deny the guy's a physical freak and I don't mean it what's amazing with him he's not a natural in my opinion a natural athlete when it comes to you meet a dude that's um, 240 pounds 6 foot 2 who can dunk run a 5'8 40 right. agile like crazy right. Uh, Cam's a runner, you know, and he's built, uh, you know, lifting-wise. He's gotten, you know, pretty. I mean, he's gained some, put on some lbs from that, from hard work. He runs like Forrest Gump. um He can get after, right. it. so that he's put right. in the work. Uh, I just think his following is so big, you know. There's a jealousy factor there, and again. I'm not like uh, you know super leg humping pro cam, and I'm not a cam hater. I, I'm kind of in the middle of the road, which I guess probably same where about where you are, Frank. We we just the, you can't take away what the guys done for the sport, and so when I people, well, I just had to defend like the Bomars, right? I don't have any. I like Josh Bomar. I don't really know Sarah, but I mean, hmm? you got. I mean. Josh Bomar is the kind of guy you do want to marry your daughter. He is a hell of a guy. He's super nice. <laughs> he's super nice. Oh, I mean, he. Josh I'm like is... cussing like a sailor. He's like, ah, shucks. And I'm like, man, <laughs> can I get like a fuck or a shit to come out I got him riled up, and he did cuss a little, but he's just a great guy. And I, I actually, right. t- you know, to me, why they get the amount of hate they do, because really it's not like... You know, I mean, Sarah's a hunter, but she's promoting physical fitness and nutrition. Now, I don't like watching her videos because I feel fat when I watch them, but you're just trying to help people. Um, You know, and Josh is a hell of an athlete, too.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, like Cam, look, Cam Cam and I are not besties. Um, I met him in his—I met him back at Spot Hog, and this is no shit, guys. Cam, if you're listening, you can even verify this— I met Cameron when he had the acid-washed pants, the acid-washed jacket, and the acid-washed jean fanny pack all at the same time. So that's how long ago I met Cameron. I don't have his cell phone number. We don't message on social media. We don't hunt or hang out together. But I'll tell you something right now. Cameron Haynes, not one time in the entire time I've known him, which is... 2001, 18 years, he has never not one time stalled me out, tried to big dog me, tried to, I've just, he has always been super nice to me forever. Um, I don't ask him for shit, just never, but he has never not been nice to me. Now, what you said about his following is absolutely true. And you're like, oh, he's okay, shoot with his shirt off if I look like him with no shirt on, so would I.
1: That might be jealousy on my (laughs) point because I've got moves.
0: You got a point there. I think that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, I look at him with his shirt off and I'm like, God damn. I don't have the discipline to even, I don't have the discipline to eat well enough to, to look like Cameron and the amount of work it takes to look like Cameron. I don't think people understand, but Cameron is always been incredibly nice to me and and the point is back to your comment about his audience you're not going to be a hundred percent on all the time and so he wanders around these shows and he's inundated and people send him messages and ask questions and because they're the three millionth question that day he can't get to it all of a sudden Cameron Haynes is a dick look man like you said what Cameron's done for the sport you sure as shit don't see Cameron Haynes out there trying to be something he's not. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, sorry. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, Frank, you're not talking. Just don't. What do you think?
0: I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I think he's changing the screensaver on his computer to over to Cameron Haynes with no shirt on right now. And that's cool. But, <laughs> um, but you know, and then uh, I've just started hanging out and being friends with Josh Bomar the last year. or So dude, is that guy ever not upbeat? He is, literally, he is literally just one of the most upbeat people I have. The, the level of energy he has, and it blows me away because people, you know, people will, like, get on Josh and, and Sarah about, you know, because they're in the hunting side. Well, guess what, folks? What you don't understand is BOMAR nutrition on the supplement side in the real world. You know, not the outdoor industry where we eat our young, but over in the supplement world and, like, weightlifting and fitness world, you know, the market that is 5,000 times bigger than our industry, dude, they kill it over there. They are – Kathy and I went to the LA Fit Expo and hung out at their booth a couple years ago. They are legit as it gets – in the fitness world and they don't look like they look for no reason. I'm a, I use their, I just, Oh my God. If you guys have not tried their protein, oh, I think Kathy the, just made the hot
2: chocolate protein uh,
1: mixed with coffee. Uh, you will smack your eyes out with your tongue.
2: <laughs> I saw, I saw Greg made some waffles or something, right? Pancakes.
0: Kathy made the, the birthday cake protein pancakes the other day. And all I put on it was butter, and I could not eat enough of those things. It was ridiculously good. But While we're talking about people getting don't fat, understand
1: hold on one more thing. the birthday cake with Justin's vanilla peanut butter and some ice and almond milk, that's another one that you will – probably not the healthiest thing when you put quite a bit of peanut butter in there, but my God, that birthday cake, it's literally like you're drinking birthday cake.
0: <laughs> it's, I don't understand how the they get it to taste so good, but no, I mean – that's just part of the thing, too, is, is I think that the outdoor realm, the outdoor world, there's so much envy and jealousy there that whether you're Cameron Haynes or the Bomars, it's like people want to tear you down for some thing. And my wife and I have hung out with with uh, Josh and Sarah several times. Um, we were at ATA here a couple years ago, and Josh and me were in the aisle chit-chatting with a group of people about who the hell knows what. And as usual, Sarah and Kathy are sitting, on the, sitting in the chairs at the booth, probably laughing at us. And so, but they are cool people. And, you know, the amount of investment, you know, it's kind of like, you know, any other scenario where, you know, like Jim Easton, uh, I don't know how many people know this story, but, you know, Jim Easton create, you know, is, if you don't know who Jim Easton is, go, over in the corner and practice falling down. Frank will be over there in a minute. Um, <laughs> one of those, you know, so Jim Easton built, that's Greg Easton's dad, built the whole thing, did the, did the arrows and all that stuff, but it wasn't until he created the baseball bats that things took off. And when he sold the baseball bat empire, he used the baseball bat money to then build archery into what it is. So it's a pretty interesting dynamic to realize that Jim Easton used arrow money to develop the baseball bats. And then when he sold that for a gajillion dollars, he then turned around and used that money to start the Easton foundation. And then the baseball bat money is ultimately what built archery into what it is today. And so not very many people actually know that story, but that's exactly what happened. Well, You see the Bomars out here, and you see them uh, hunting all over the world, and you see them, well, do the Bomars have a television show? Do the Bomars, are the Bomars a rolling infomercial? Are the Bomars, no, they're not. So before you start hating on the Bomars, maybe start thinking about how is it that, that they're doing what they're doing there's a, lo- there's a lot more to them than meets the eye, especially on the, in the fitness world side, and that is where they are making a huge impact, and they're actually using the, that side of their careers to benefit the hunting side by crossing over. Um, is it at the level of Joe Rogan? I don't think anybody's at the level of Joe Rogan, but the point is the Beaumars are using their fitness side audience and introducing them, to the hunting lifestyle as well. And you have to show them a ton of respect for that.
1: No, I, I agree. I mean, I like, again, I don't, I don't know Sarah really at all, but, um, I mean, I've met her, but Josh, I, he's a good dude. And I, I hate to see that much hate directed at people that are growing the sport at a fairly high level. And they do kill big shit. Um, now I don't know as far as extreme mountain hunts, but I guarantee, where they're killing those big ass deer, no matter what, whitetail private property. You don't shoot deer that size without putting in a ton of work. Because um, right. I mean, they're taking some monsters. And he, I mean, I'm surprised he can shoot a a recurve really well. I mean, I again, I don't know. I'm not speaking for Sarah, but I know with Josh, he can shoot a compound and a recurve extremely well. And they're just good people. So, I mean, probably yep. enough down that right hole, but the rabbit hole. But those guys, they are they are pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, and, and, you know, all of it kind of ties together, Aaron. I mean, once you start, you know, backing up, and that's one thing that I always try to do in any particular circumstances, back up and take a big picture view of it, like an, an elevated view of, of what's happening. And the problem we have is, you know, no one is really identifying some of the um, cultural issues we have in the outdoor world. And we've hit, on, we've hit on a lot of them today. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, they were just hating on this person and hating on that person. But if you back up and you look at it, it's really the culture in our given industry, top to bottom, trad archers, compound archers, gun hunters, the outdoor industry itself. We are really incestuous in our willingness to destroy each other and, you know, Will we ever be able to do away with that? I doubt it. Um, you know, I think the attitudes of guys like Joe Rogan and Cam and yourself, Josh Womar, I mean, look—you're not going yeah, right. You're not gonna. You're not gonna please everybody. You can't. You you literally can't. You show me someone who's never pissed anybody off, and I'll show you someone who's never done anything.
1: Even Jesus did it.
0: <laughs> Is that right? Exactly. Even <laughs> Jesus pissed people off on purpose. So Took care of that. You we know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, have to edit that out. Okay, probably. <laughs> oh, God. Walter, don't check. Over the line. I mean, it's just one of those things where the more... And this is what I'm really liking to see out of some folks in the industry right now is we're getting to a point where the fear... Of speaking up is not near what it used to be um, the I mean I can remember back when back in the early 2000s when there' was a whole bunch of people would contact companies and say, "If you don't give me free product, i 'm going to post negatively about you on archery talk, and people would send free product just to avoid the Roman mob that is being attacked on archery talk now that 's one a way. Archery talk now is the, the cesspool of archery, but, um, but I am liking the fact that so many more people, Levi Morgan, for instance, of course Levi Morgan cares. Levi Morgan cares enough that he has grown to a point in his career where he will call someone out if they step over the line. And I appreciate that. I think we need more people like Levi and you and Joe and Cam and the Beaumars, we need more people telling it like it is and calling it out because, look, haters are bullies. And the only way to take care of a bully if is you to beat them, the in them fuck out. out of them. Yep. <laughs> right. So, well, exactly. And as many people that don't understand how some of this stuff works behind the scenes, the more of the information I can put out on my podcast about the industry and while you were. Uh, in there taking your potty break and shaking it more than three times. Uh, I actually, I did a podcast by myself where I listed expenses, rates of insurances and everything. I literally, it's the only podcast I've ever did by myself and I'll probably do another. probably never do another one. But the more information we can get out there, map violations, map pricing is a huge issue right now. Amazon, um, I am relentlessly beating the drum on my personal podcast about there's a difference between selling to Amazon and selling on Amazon. And Amazon doesn't care about making money right now. I mean, everyone, everyone knows how big Amazon is, but Amazon doesn't turn a profit. Amazon loses money every year because every penny they make is going to expansion. That's why you see delivery trucks now with the Amazon logo on the side Amazon Amazon's going to start competing with UPS and FedEx watch it's going to happen and so Amazon is a huge problem for us they will literally pay more than dealer and then sell for less than they actually paid because that's a control mechanism for the given market and once they get to about a 40 to 45 percent market share in our space they can then dictate to companies what prices are going to be and they basically destroy entire markets similar to what walmart has done and so this is all information on the industry side and yes i take heat for putting out some of this information i've been threatened by one distributor in particular because he has more to hide and so it's just one of those things where the more information we can get out there the more people that listen to you and me and all these other people that are trying to disseminate not just hater information, but industry information, knowledge is power. And if you're hating or if you have questions and you don't take the time to educate yourself and find out what the answer is, then you're part of the problem.
1: Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I just said, yeah, no, again, I got a problem with that. Um, you, you, I, I think, <laughs> though, that when you talk about as far as knowledge is power and we're on two hours here, so we should wrap this up fairly quick. But when you talk about knowledge right. is power, I mean, you look at—it uh, doesn't matter whether it's fitness, nutrition, the industry, um, you know, tuning—and and you do get a lot of. Which can be a good thing, like learning. Okay, you see a guy do something that makes no sense to you. So, like, uh, like you said, we eat our own. You hop on there, you make some jackass comment. Um, but if you would have taken a big step back and kind of learn the system, learn what he's doing, learn the industry, uh, I th- think people one would have their eyes open wide real quick on certain things and if at the very least you know you're like you said knowledge is power you're going to be learning some stuff and I get that a lot um you know I've kind of learned that on you know photography about the time you think you know what you're doing you'll make an ass of yourself and figure out you didn't and learn quite a bit in the middle right. um you know a lot of industry things in general um yeah that's going to go down another rabbit hole but if you looked at how many people are paid by one optics company but run another one in their chest harness and then people buy the, <laughs> what they talk about, your eyes would be opened extremely wide because that happens, I mean, good Lord. Well, we know people that run our packs that... Anytime on video, they're running a different pack, and then when they got to load out meat, and these are very well known companies, I'm not going to fault them for right. it. We can't afford to pay them what that other company's paying them, and I don't want them to have back problems, so I'm glad they run our stuff. But that kind of, I mean, I think people would be pretty surprised about that. I, I would say, I mean, I think people probably shit their pants if they knew how often that happens.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, I just posted this weekend, I was, you know, I posted a little quick video I was doing some you know I made a joke and said this is what happened when line tuning and bear shaft tuning have a baby but I was shooting a bear shaft at 100 yards and it was hitting on the same line up and down and left and right as my flat shafts at 100 yards I will probably spend two hours today answering messages (laughs) on how that's possible
1: Oh, I I would bet you're right and
0: and, oh dude I uh, I I can't even tell you how many messages I have, unchecked messages I have right now. One guy on there called bullshit, and I was like, well, just because you don't understand how it's possible doesn't mean it's not possible. And the problem with shooting a bare shaft at 100 is too full, uh, just real quick, is the tune of the bow and the arrow was critical, but do you understand how good of a shot you have to make at 100 yards with a bare shaft? And no wind. Oh, yeah, one little, one little bobble in your hold, I think I'll miss by two feet. So you have to be able to execute that quality of a shot to even bear shaft tune at 20, let alone 100. And so, and I didn't, and I'm not even sure I'm going to leave it here, but the reason that I tuned that bear shaft like I did at 100 yards, you know, because people were like, well, physics-wise, it doesn't have 12 grains on the back of veins. How is that even possible? Anything is possible. So you're telling me that you can shoot a bear shot, or a, that you can shoot a field point in a broadhead in the same spot at 40 or 100 yards, and that's not perplexing as well. No, if you tune it to do it, that's what it'll do. And people just don't want to, just don't want to get it because you know they either think they can't, or they won't, or they don't know how. And so I'll probably spend several hours today copy and pasting the same answer on uh, how it's even possible and then they'll argue with me.
1: I would say if you had 15 inches of vein on the back of your fletch shaft it'd be a little bit more a little bit harder to duplicate it 100 because you've got or a wrap in 15 inches of vein uh, you know three fives but you're shooting such a low profile you're fairly short vein um, 12 grains isn't really shit in the grand scheme of things (laughs) i mean yes it stiffens your spine slightly yes it does add a little bit of difference to your arrow weight but on a shooting machine at 80 you can't tell the difference in 10 to 20 grains i I mean we've tested this um now you can tell when the spine of an arrow is shitty meaning your dynamic spine um is not consistent you will see a bigger difference than you would with 20 to 25 grains at 80 yards um at least in my testing out of a shooting machine you may have found different the spine of the arrow was key the actual weight to a certain point really didn't matter that much up to a certain point once you got past 80 you started to see it but 12 grains isn't really Right. Fuck. It doesn't really mean anything at a hundred. I mean, at at eighty, at a hundred, it can a little, but even still, not much.
0: Well, I can tell you right now, I have I'm testing the new 2.0 shield cut, which I've been. They're not new. The 2.0 shield cut hybrids uh, versus the new, the actual new 1.85 inch shield cut AAE vanes, and I actually put them on 12 12 x tens I had that were a half inch shorter, and they were. That half inch with the different veins on there. It probably was. I think I went from 425 grains to like 418, and it was literally four inches at 80 yards. That's it.
1: Yeah, four I can buy at that.
0: Yards. Yeah, I believe that. That's not that much. But what I, but you know how people will make up their arrows so that they're all within like a half a grain or whatever. Two three grains will hit the same arrow hole out of the Hooter
1: shooter at 50 yards. Oh well, hey, hold on. I wanted to end this early, but I'm gonna. <laughs> we're not yet. So with day six, we had a guy that said uh, the arrows were plus or minus three grains in a dozen. You know, and, and Broderick is is very competent and can shoot, but not not at at a level of maybe where you or I or someone else in Brian's like. Can you tell her three grains? Uh, and I'm of course, then I go crazy chew, fly and trying to, you know, down there. Are you firing? And I'm like, Jesus, you can't tell a different. And, and the, I don't think people realize it's cool that they want to put that much effort into it, but it's too, for no reason. In, in my opinion, um, you right. will, for the most part, um, the spinning of the broadhead, very vital. Got it. Make sure that spins true. Um, the tuning right. of the bow, the, You know, or the tuning of the arrow to the bow, the setup of the bow, all of those things matter, which most people do not know how to do. But goddamn, they got to get within a couple grains of each arrow, which makes no fucking difference whatsoever. But you start talking about yoke tuning and things like that. It's like speaking Swahili. But, oh, my God, my arrows are, you know, they're a little bit off or... You know what, I'm gonna stop right there. But people need to really take into consideration what's important and what isn't. And once you have a Hooter shooter, you can't that, that thing doesn't lie. I mean it that is what so, it is.
0: Well well, exactly. And that's like when you ask someone I can never I get into that conversation, I'll ask someone, so what affects arrow impact more in the wind? Wind on the shooter or wind on the arrow? And every most people will just pull a stupid face like the freaking pikeys and snatch they'll you like dags (laughs) exactly dags you like dags um proper fucked and so i'm just like the i did this testing i put the hooter last year i put the hooter shooter inside my house move the kitchen table put the hooter shooter inside the house and shine out the back door at 85 yards testing veins and the amount of drift that, and it was a stiff wind, too, like super random, switching. Dude, it was literally, I mean, it wasn't hitting the dot, of course. But Paper it wasn't plate. missing by that much.
1: Paper plate, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: oh, dude, Be- better than that. Yeah, okay. And so it was, literally, it, it was literally only missing the dot by about four and a half inches to the left or right, depending on wind. But if you went out there and tried to aim in that, bro, you're... you're you're not going to hit a paper plate ever. And so once you start to explain to people that the wind on the shooter affects arrow impact 10 times more than the wind on the arrow, period, because that's what the vanes do, and that's what FOC does, and that's what ballistic coefficients are for.
1: Well, people I don't think understand it's not just the wind hitting the shooter. When the wind hits the shooter, his mind is automatically, for most people, starts stair-stepping down in... Their iron mind, so to speak. Oh my God, I can't hold on the dot. Things start to tense up. More than most likely, they're going to punch the living shit out of the trigger, which causes the arrow to come off the string at a more sporadic way than it would on a perfect release because you have a lot of, I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. oscillation. That's a compounding fucking problem.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are, when you do that, you are inducing left right knock travel. You have most certainly lost your centering of your peep and your housing, which is not a problem for you these days, but um, you're man. aware of it. So, and then you're literally ble- being blown by the wind three feet left and right. And then you say that your veins aren't right. It's like, come on, man. It's If you can't aim in it, you can't aim in it. But anyway. Yeah. Cool, man. What? I really appreciate you guys having me on the podcast today i am uh i am always willing and available to come on here and talk trash or whatever other topics you guys see fit
1: yeah man time i appreciate you coming on appreciate all the help you've been uh to me as well as kefaru frank yeah thanks
2: a lot greg i i thought it was a cool podcast even though I didn't say a whole lot it definitely a lot to learn and frank i, I you don't I, give I yourself appreciate credit though i appreciate the uh <laughs> I appreciate the content you've been putting out a lot of times. A lot of hell. the stuff you put out is funny as hell too. So it's always good, good, good Absolutely. mix of uh, comedy and also, uh, information.
0: Well, I appreciate it. I mean, that's, I am, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of just, you know, you've got to be authentic and nobody's perfect. We've all made mistakes. Um, but you've got to be authentic in this game. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. And, uh, you know, if if perfection is the unit of measure, then we're all fucked because none of us are perfect. And uh, so we're just gonna keep doing the thing. But uh, I'm and I am super looking forward to getting that that new pack, Aaron. I've been I've been drooling over that thing since you since you uh, po- posted about that.
1: Oh so, yeah, yeah. We'll try. <laughs> we should be able to get it. Uh, it's a shape charge. We should be able to get it out to you by the end of the week, I would guess. So yeah, man. Um again, thanks for everything. Frank and I should probably get back to work. Absolutely. I don't know how many people walked into the office since we've been on here. <laughs> but uh yeah, man. Uh well and everyone Yeah, no kidding. Um yeah, look look or all you trad guys definitely um I think what four to six weeks ish the uh I don't know what you're gonna call it, the uh the Trad yep. vein. <laughs> the weather vein, I don't look, know.
0: A- the A A E Trad for right now. If we come up with that's what we uh, we called it the AAE trad internally, or because what most people don't understand is we now had to create ten
1: SKUs, twenty the devil 30.
0: oh yeah dude we had to create this this just this created like a hundred and twenty SKUs for us it was but whatever um, but yeah dude it's uh, we're just calling it the AAE trad trad right now just AAE T R A D um, if. Aaron or Frank, or any of you out there have some cooler name that you think it needs to, uh, needs to be called, be sure to inundate and spam Aaron Snyder with all of that feedback. And then he will zip <laughs> through it. Uh, oh, it's nice. Me. Yeah. But no, nah, man, we're just, uh, we're just going to keep plugging along. I appreciate everybody's support. If you, uh, if you want to give me a follow over on Instagram, it's, uh, for big GP, obviously on Facebook, it's just Greg pool. And, uh, as always over on Bojunky media, we are, uh, we're continuing to spread hate and discontent, and uh, put some put some uh, information out there into the world. We think that will uh, industry side that will benefit everyone, and of course, you know, Frank and, and Aaron, I can't thank you enough for your support of Bojunkie Media. It's been uh, it's meant a lot to me personally, and uh, we're just going to keep doing the thing.
1: Cool, cool, man. All right, we'll take it easy. Thanks, Greg.
0: All right, buddy.